Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Burke. Alongside me, we've got Mike Palm and Matt Humans live in the Circus Studio out there in Las Vegas. We're excited to preview the divisional round throughout the NFL postseason. Uh, man, it was a... Uh, Kind of crazy wild card weekend to say the least. And, uh, you know, Matt, I want to start out with you just kind of recapping what we saw. And by the way, we'll go through, of course, every single game for the upcoming weekend slate. But, Matt, I feel like when we looked back or when looking back and when we were looking ahead, we were saying, hey, what is going to be the craziest game of wild card weekend? And I feel like we're all looking at that Jacksonville and Los Angeles game, and it kind of lived up to the hype and then some. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that weekend? Because that was probably mine. Yeah, you're right about that, Danny. The colossal choke job by the Chargers, and uh, that's got to be the headline, I think, from uh, wild, Super Wild Card Weekend. I would say you go from there, it would be the you know, the Giants. We thought they might be live dogs on the road at Minnesota. They get the job done. Brian Dable might have the Cinderella team in this postseason. The Bengals, lucky to advance. Really lucky to advance. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, how about that? They blow a 17-0 lead to the Dolphins team with Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, and barely escape their game against Miami. And then uh, Tom Brady, how bad did he look on Monday night? You know, that's sad because the Raiders are looking to him as the potential answer in 2023. And he was the problem for the Buccaneers on Monday night, a big part of the problem. So, uh, are the Cowboys as good as they looked? I would say probably not. And uh, we'll talk about that as we move on. But there's no doubt the uh, Chargers choke job is a headline from Super Wild Card Weekend. And Mike, uh, you know, we thought if the Chargers blew that game and lost, Sean Payton would be the next coach. But you got to take into account Dean Spanos is one of the worst owners in the NFL. He's cheap. Now we're finding out the asking price for Sean Payton is sky high. It's ridiculous. And I'm not sure who would pay that. Two first rounders. And uh, a contract he wants north of uh, ten million a year. Well, the Spanoses are not quick to admit defeat on anything. They still won't admit defeat from taking that team out of a city that loved and supported it. Yep. Who have they hired? Mike McCoy. Oh boy, an, an, an unheard of. Yeah. Anthony Lynn never had any head coaching experience. They probably held on to Anthony Lynn a few years too long, and now the boy genius. And of course, it's not. The boy genius's fault. Well, let's fire a couple assistants because that's certainly got to be the problem. And maybe it was the assistants that made him play as the starters in Denver 
get Mike Williams injured for this game. I mean, I guess it's the assistants that said, we're going to run the ball less times than we throw incomplete passes with a 20-point lead. So I looked for everything I could in every media outlet to see how Brandon Staley would analyze that collapse, and he did none of it. No. All he said is, I really feel bad for the guy. He took no accountability none. for that. He said, I, I'm confident in the way <laughs> we run things around here. We do everything the right way. Uh, for a half, we outplayed the, the Jaguars. Okay, for a half. That's great. A half. Congratulations. A half, they got five turnovers. Award the guy a trophy. Five turnovers. I know, I know. I mean, uh, so there was a lot to talk about, but I, I think going into the offseason, you got to be really disappointed of all the playoff teams, I'm disappointed the most in the Chargers because they have a lot of talent to work with. And again, they continue year after year. Mike's just gone on for a couple decades at least. They squander everything, every opportunity they get. Even even Schottenheimer, who would go 13 yep. and 3 and 14 and 2, couldn't win the home divisional round game in a yeah. year, you know? Well, he got fired after yep. going 14 and 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're in much better right. shape now. Yeah, and I think it would have been entertaining to see the Chargers go up against the Chiefs again, too, a team that they play very well against. And it's not that Jacksonville doesn't have the pieces to do that necessarily. It's just that we have seen Herbert go up against Mahomes this year included, and it's been a really good game. And a lot of people, us included, were talking, hey, that potential matchup isn't going to be an easy one for Kansas City if it comes to fruition. However, not the case, as we, of course, know that the Chargers did squander that lead, and now Jacksonville does advance and look they're on the road at Kansas City the Chiefs open about eight in the hook most spots have the Chiefs stills about an eight and a half point favor although South Point looks like they have them at nine total opened around 52 now up to 53 so Mike when you're looking at this game and remember these teams did face off earlier this season Kansas City won at home in week 10 27 to 17 Patrick Mahomes had four touchdown passes I believe in that game and just one interception so the Chiefs had no issues then but the Jaguars a little bit of a different team my fear with looking to the side of Jacksonville Mike would be is it too much of an emotional high coming from that 27 and nothing deficit winning? And could it be reminiscent of like the Minneapolis miracle? And then when the Vikings got smacked the next week, I think against Philly, mm-hmm. maybe they're not going to get smacked, but I, I just fear a little bit of an inexperienced team that endured something like that going up against the big boys this weekend. I don't know that you can trust Trevor Lawrence enough to be consistent for four quarters to stay with Kansas city. Um, I think the number gets to be too high when you get to eight and a half or nine. Is Andy Reid has shown, especially in the latter half of the year, he's not really concerned covering the number. He's running the ball a lot in the second half, shortening these games with the lead, playing pretty conservatively, keeping Mahomes under wraps. Now in the games where they've gotten behind, like in Houston, he let Mahomes throw the ball every down in the second half, but that hasn't been the case. I think it's a tough task for the Jaguars to come off of that and then go to Kansas City in that environment. He had a friendly home crowd uh, in Florida on Saturday against the Chargers. It's a little bit different when you have to go to Arrowhead, you have to deal with cold weather, and you have to deal with the noise in that stadium here. I don't give the Jaguars much of a chance, but like everybody in their, and their brother, you're going to see these two Saturday games teased down together uh, or money line parlays with these two teams. I mean, that, who who isn't going to have this in their portfolio? Uh, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't take a uh, brain scientist or a rocket surgeon to figure that out, yeah. right? That the you're gonna you're gonna tease down the Chiefs to two and a half and the Eagles to one and a half, and back there behind the book, if you can get one side knocked out, you're gonna be thrilled. It's gonna be a great day, probably. Yeah. You can just get one side uh, knocked out. So. I don't really care much about these trends, but I'll throw a few out there just for entertainment purposes during the podcast. Doug Peterson, 6-0 ATS is a dog in the playoffs. Uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, one of the worst spread teams in the NFL this season. You can't count on the Chiefs to cover numbers. They haven't done it consistently. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, when you analyze this from a football perspective, I agree with what Mike said. I don't trust Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he, he's still a mistake-riddled quarterback. I think the Jaguars are probably going to be that just happy to be here team this week. And I don't believe in uh, that team. They won the worst division of football. They got lucky, recovered a fumble return for a touchdown to beat the Titans, who lost seven in a row to finish the season. Last week, they took advantage of the uh, biggest chokers in the NFL, the Chargers, and came back from 27 nothing down. Uh, I do think this team's just happy to be here. And I don't want to uh, bank on the Jaguars uh, this week, Danny, from a, a prop perspective, 
I think you do have to look at Travis Kelsey in this game. The Jacksonville defense ranked 30th in yards per reception for tight ends this season. So Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, probably going to be a common connection in this game. I'm like every other Joe here. I tease the Chiefs down to minus two and a half. Uh, Matt, I am with you like every other Joe. I had the same play there teasing down Kansas City. And look, you know, all the issues we talk about with the Chiefs or defense not covering numbers, absolutely true and certainly a concern. But at the end of the day, kind of like you're saying, Jacksonville happy to be here coming off such an emotional high. At least that's my perspective of looking at Jacksonville in this game. And well, Kansas City is going to be ready to go with the bye and at home. So uh, let's not act also like Jacksonville doesn't have just as bad of a defense, if not worse than Kansas City. One of the worst pass defenses ended up the season ranking 30th against the pass, according to DVOA. And Matt, to your point about the prop, too. So Kelsey, the first go around against Jacksonville, had six catches, 81 yards and one touchdown. Now I'm looking to see what some of the better numbers might be at for him in this game. Uh, total reception, six and a half minus 110 to the over 81 in the hook for his receiving yard, 79 in the hook, the lowest number. If you want to go to the over, would you be willing to entertain e- uh, any of those? Oh, I can only bet over on those. I'm not going to play those props, but uh, Danny, I-, I think that, uh, Considering the weaknesses of the Jaguars' defense, you're going to see Mahomes and Kelsey hook up quite a bit in this game. It looks like those prop numbers were basically set on what happened in the first game, right? Six catches, 81 yards. Uh, There's no secret to what that – behind that number, how that prop number was set. So I I would look over or pass. Mike, anything you have official before we move on for this spot? No, the teaser. But I would say this, Danny, when you look at the landscape of the four teams remaining in the AFC, Doug Peterson as a coaching matchup is an advantage, I think, over two of the other three. But it's not in this game with Andy Reid. I, 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 I give him over Zach Taylor and I give him over McDermott as well, who I thought got badly outcoached in Buffalo last week. But it's not in this game with Andy Reid. So I think in a lot of things neutralize Jacksonville here. So I'm, I'm going to take the brain dead teaser and uh, include the Chiefs. All right. Well, speaking of coaching advantages, perhaps you have one here with Dayball going against Sirianni in the NFC East showdown where the Giants now are catching seven in the hook across the board. Early numbers had it right at seven. So Philly getting a little bit of love total at 47 now up to 48. Uh, Matt, are you just pairing this with the Eagles for the other leg of your teaser? Is that what you're rocking with? Or are you saving the other leg for one of the other games? No, I put the, uh, like Mike said, the Saturday home favorites, Chiefs and Eagles. I did that. And I'm not going to be stunned if the Eagles get knocked off in this game. If there's a team that blows up the teasers, it could be the Eagles. Uh, if you think about, <clears throat> first of all, when most people handicap games, they always assume a bye week is a big positive, right? You get the top seed, you get an extra week off. I don't always think that's the case. I do I do believe the Eagles needed to buy. Jalen Hurts had the uh, sprained shoulder. He's trying to come back from right tackle Lane Johnson and a few other uh, key guys on the offensive and defensive lines needed that week off. But you always think about how do you feel on your first day back from work after a long vacation? It's kind of tough to get back into it. Um, you're also in this kind of situation facing a team off a win with momentum and confidence. And I don't think the buy means as much as some handicappers believe it does. And also with Jalen Hurts, he has not played much since he suffered that shoulder injury on December 18th. And if these teams are at full strength, yeah, Philadelphia is far superior to the Giants. But it doesn't look like Jalen Hurts is going to be at full speed in this game. And uh, that's why I think the Week 14 matchup between the teams doesn't mean as much. That was 48-22 in New York. Uh, Hurts had 294 total yards. 217 passing, 77 rushing, and the uh, total offense numbers in that game were 437 to 304, but I think these teams are a lot different now than they were in week 14. Uh, Mike Palm, first of all, is Jalen Hurts going to be limited in how much he can run the ball in this game? Because if he is, that's going to impact the Eagles and uh, their effectiveness in the red zone. We saw that in week 18 against the Giants when he didn't run the ball they weren't scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And that's the whole key to the game, Matt, because yeah. his mobility makes – it gives a lot of problems to this Giants defense. We saw a good matchup for him where you have Kirk Cousins, who's not going to move at all, and he's going to check down on fourth and season. 
Um, it, it, it's different. If, if Hertz is favoring something, if they don't want to get Hertz involved in the running game, if Hertz is going to be um, like CJ Stroud and not take running opportunities, yeah. this becomes a different and a very competitive game. Um, but we don't know that yet. So we got to, you know, this is another thing about in game betting. You know, you take a look at him in the first quarter and see how he looks as well. Um, the, the Giants cashed the tickets for us, they got the job done in that game. Um, Dable just doesn't make any false moves here, and you mm-hmm. got to beat them. You know, he's like the Carolina Hurricanes. You got to play a great game to beat them every night out. They're going to make make you beat them. So, I, I still think you have to the, like the Eagles in this spot and include them. But I think you take a, a look at Hertz and his legs mainly early in this first quarter to see how this game's going to play out. You know, and also if Hertz takes a hit on that shoulder at some point during the game, uh, that that could worsen the uh, injury situation for him. So I, I put the Eagles on a teaser. It's the second half of it. And I think at some point, if the Eagles get a lead, and you got to keep this in mind, Philadelphia's been a fast-starting team the entire season. If the Eagles get a lead, you got to look to jump in on live betting at the Giants at some point. That's always key to pick the right time to jump in. But if I'm, I'm getting double digits and a, and a fat number with the Giants, I'll probably take that too as insurance because we have seen this Philadelphia offense fade in the second half of a lot of games uh, this season, so I think you have to keep that in mind. Brian Dable, eight and uh, excuse me, eleven and two against the spread as a dog this season. Eleven and two. Uh, I was watching NFL Network this morning. It was about five a.m. and they had the uh, Good Morning Football show on. They were trying to draw comparisons between the two two thousand seven Giants and this year's Giants. In the two thousand seven Giants, that was Eli Manning's fourth season. They were also the lowest seed in the playoffs, and they, they made a big run. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I don't think this Giants team is nearly as talented, but I do like Brian Dable so much, it's kind of scary to bet against the guy. I think yeah, the, and look, the 07 yeah, Giants ahead, defense was a lot better oh, than that this defense team's defense. Dominant, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Especially the defensive line was <laughs> yeah. dominant. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. Now, the first time they met up, I, again, you you alluded to it, Matt. I mean, Philly just dominated. They won 48 to 22, and then we're not really counting the last week of the regular season when they faced off. But Daniel Jones was limited, 18 to 27, 169 in the air, only 26 rushing yards. He's looked a lot different since that point. We understand this. The Vikings now twice have made him look like a competent, studly quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against the Eagles, who have one of the better pass defenses in the NFL. But Mike, what do you think in terms of this ground attack? Because we've talked about this many times on the podcast. Philadelphia's one weakness. Well, now they've kind of had several more as the season has progressed, but consistently it has seemingly been the run defense. Do you imagine Saquon Barkley to have a big game? And I guess if you do, you would envision that to be in the beginning stages of this game. And if someone doesn't really like Philly, you know, maybe Giants plus four in the hook in the first half. Is that maybe a decent angle to consider? I don't know that I like the Giants any more in the first half than I do in the whole game. Barkley, obviously, as he did in Minnesota, has gives you that threat that keeps you honest from a defensive standpoint where you really can't pin your ears back and rush him because he is a, he is a home run threat there. Um, you know... I, from from Josh Applebaum's theory of everything, you you could consider the fact that Cleet Blakeman is the referee on this game, oh, and the Eagles the Eagles are thirteen and one in games that Cleet Blakeman has done. I'll tell you what, anybody who's handicapping the game and cares about that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, hey, uh, one more thing, uh, Danny. Yeah, one more ahead, thing man. here. Um, it is a big step up in class for the Giants' offense. You're talking about that soft Vikings defense. And Daniel Jones really picked him apart last week, passed for 301 yards and ran for 78. Uh, but you're not going to do that against Philly. This uh, Philly defense leads the NFL in sacks with 70, number one in pass defense, 180 yards per game. So it's going to be a lot tougher for the Giants offense this week. That said, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles get out their lead and the Giants to close the gap in the second half and make a game of this. And uh, that's why I'm just going to stick with the teaser and then look for a live betting opportunity with the Giants at plus double digits. 
Yeah, not much more needs to be said. I'm with you guys. Tease down Philly, tease down Kansas City. Philly have at least the postseason experience from last year, dominated all regular season. It was inevitable they were going to deal with injuries and adversity. And, you know, it is a division opponent with a great coach, but it's a lot different opponent than Minnesota in that defense, as you just mentioned, Matt. I mean, it should be night and day. So it may not be pretty, but Philly should get the job done, at least on that teaser. That's why you add a little bit of that extra security. NFC East with three of the four final four in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Who missed out? The Commodores. The Commodores Com- didn't Commodores missed out. Yeah. Ron didn't Ron Rivera didn't know they could get eliminated. They better sign Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Ooh, I think he's going to Miami. Do you? I do. You guys so you guys are saying for sure that he'll be gone. Would you be banking on that? You just no, Danny, you think he could go back, Mike? Danny, we're not saying for sure that these four games are going to get played this weekend. It's just, a, it's just conjecture. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just a theory. And maybe that was a move to save him by uh, letting Greg Roman go to Michigan. <laughs> well, the Harbaugh's love him. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was Jim's offensive coordinator at Stanford, and then John cried today when they had to let him go. And I, it's either he's either heading back to Michigan or he's heading back to Holy Spirit of Seeking. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to a Sunday slate of games. What probably should be the most exciting game this weekend, Buffalo in Cincinnati. You're throwing the Cowboys game out as the most exciting game? What? Not even close. Not even close. (laughs) Oh, come on. All right. Buffalo now up to his high is a six point favorite (laughs) in one shop. You got South Point having the Bills as a six point favorite. Uh, Most other outlets have it at five in the hook. Total open 49 in the hook, but now you're seeing it kind of creep down to 48 and a half. Uh, Mike, again, I'll lead with you here because you and I have been on the Cincinnati train and look, they did not look great this past weekend. Let's be honest, but neither did the bills. I I mean, I thought the way the bills played would have impacted the line against them, but I guess it just showed you how much worse it was perceived what Cincinnati did that made this line, you know, open four in the hook and now go as high as six. I get that Cincinnati is his flawed team. And look, Sean McDermott, certainly not as stout of a coach as we probably thought he was coming into this season and put him at in years past. But man, I don't know if it gets to six, I would be tempted to look towards Cincinnati, but I haven't done anything yet because I'm waiting to hear your guys' thoughts on this game. You know what surprised me, Danny? I would have thought that the 49ers would be a bigger favorite than the Bills. And that just hasn't been the case here. And this number continues to climb now up to five and a half. Um, I think it's a little bit out of line. That's not saying it's inspiring a bet on Cincinnati, though, because I think the offensive line with the injuries has struggled. I mean, if Huntley doesn't make the wrong play at the goal line, I mean, our boss says the play was designed to go low and he went high and the fumble and all that, they're in control of that game. And now all the pressures on the defending AFC champs. I mean, it totally turned everything over and yet they had the ball on the 17 yard line with two timeouts to, to, I, I was convinced Harbaugh was trying to score on the last play of the game and go for two. That was his whole plan. I, and he, he didn't so. want to leave enough time that he couldn't go for two. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, um, look, the Bengals had all the momentum in that matchup with, with the, the heart attack that got suspended. The Bills, to me, there's something wrong with them. For the last two months of the season, they haven't put together consistent effort. Josh Allen went into that game with the highest touchdown-interception ratio in NFL playoff history at 14-1. to and he throws two straight picks in the second quarter. Skyler Thompson and Miami had the ball with a chance to win the game with three minutes to go. Think about that. I, I don't trust the Bills, so I can't lay the points in this spot. Um, but can the offensive line hold up and give Burrow time? Are they going to be able to run the ball at all with Mixon? You know what I lean here? I lean under 49 if I'm looking at a play, Danny. So what, 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 what makes you go toward the under? And I know out there at Circa, there is the 49 posted. What would be the biggest reasons that would lead you to going that direction? And again, the market seems to be going that way. Well, the Bills have not been consistent running the football. And I think that Baltimore was able to run the football against them effectively. Uh, and that set up uh, some of the short passing game here. And I also think right now that Burrow needs to have more time to throw. I think they, the line has been uh, as consistent here. Um, you can argue the Bengals always play ugly games with the Ravens, no matter who's on, who's mm-hmm. playing. If all the starters are healthy, if both offenses are, they're always ugly, ugly games that normally play in the twenties here. But what what have the what has inspired you about the Bills? I mean, I like the Bengals' offense better than the Dolphins' offense, and they gave up thirty points yeah. to the Dolphins. That game was dead and buried, seventeen to nothing, and they didn't even win the first half. That's crazy. I mean, that's it? how outrageous that 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 could happen. So. 
They get the game at home again. I know a lot of people have argued it should be a neutral site, just like uh, if they would play Kansas City because of that game being suspended. But th this number seems awfully long to me. And I think at the end of the day, this this is going to come. This game somewhere plays out in the 24-21 type of range, 24-17, 27-21. I think 49 is just a bit high. It's a factor in cold and wind in Buffalo. Yeah, there's spots out there right now. You can grab six with the Bengals. Yeah. And uh, – that does start to look a little bit more attractive. I don't have anything on this game because I do have a couple futures on the Bills to win the Super Bowl at uh, plus 375 and 4-1. to one. I just want to see the Bills win the game in advance. Uh, Buffalo's got the number two scoring defense in the NFL, 17.9 points per game. And I think if the Bills learn from what the Ravens did, uh, they can shut down the Cincinnati offense. If you, it's kind of ridiculous when you look at the uh, – Anemic offensive production by the Bengals in three games against the Ravens. And um, the, the playoff game, with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, the Ravens had 23 first downs to 18 for the Bengals, outgained them 364 to 234. Bengals had 4.3 yards per play. Danny, the, uh, the Baltimore defense completely shut down Joe Burrow in that Cincinnati offense, and that was not a fluke because in Week 17 – or actually, week six uh, it was week eighteen. The Ravens outgained the Bengals three eighty six to two fifty seven, and that was when the Bengals were actually playing for something, and the Ravens really weren't. Uh, they were kind of lethargic in that game again with uh, Huntley at quarterback. Was that Huntley or Anthony Brown? I can't remember who quarterbacked in week Brown eighteen. Was, Brown was the Brown. last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Anthony Brown the last week, and they still outgained the Bengals by about one hundred and thirty yards in that game. Talking about the Ravens. And then the first meeting, the Ravens outgained the Bengals 325 to 291. So if you watch what the Baltimore defense did to the Cincinnati offense, I think Buffalo can learn a lot from that. And it has the type of personnel that should be able to uh, put the clamps on Joe Burrow. Now in week 17, the Bengals led that game 7-3 to when it was canceled. I was on the Bengals that night. I thought they were going to win that game. Just the way it started. We don't know, but it, it seemed like the Bengals were going to win that game that night. I'm not as confident in the Bengals right now, and sometimes you got to forget what you saw last week. Just kind of throw out the Bengals look bad, the Bills look bad. They both look bad last week, I thought. Don't you agree? Uh, yes, both of them look bad. Right. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, this team did it last year in the playoffs. They went on the road. They went to, to Tennessee and got the help from Tannehill. They also went to Kansas City in a game that they trailed in, and Kansas City had a chance to yep. put them away right before half. And really beat them up in the second half in that game, got back into it and mm -hmm. won it. So I don't count them out because when they need to, they've played mistake-free football to get to this point. I, do you lean to take the points here or you, you stay away from this? I think this it's game? six I lean to yeah. the Bengals. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a bet on it at this point. Well, I just want the Bills to make, advance and make keep a, those Super Bowl futures Make alive. a lean so you can make an argument for okay. handicapper of the week. I'll give out a lean. So that way if it wins, I'll brag about it. If it loses, it doesn't count. Yeah, it wasn't a play. It doesn't count because it was only a lean. That's how it works in the tout industry, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm with you. At six, I certainly lean toward taking the points with the Bengals. Uh, let me ask you this thought process, though, too. So with Buffalo already getting steamed up and them being a fairly sizable favorite, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I figured, you know, short sample size, but that Cincinnati was looking great in that first matchup. And I, if I had to pick, I would have said that they would have won that game. But nevertheless, Let's say in this matchup, for example, Matt, that Buffalo gets the quick score. You know, they're up 7 nothing. Do you think this number is going to adjust pretty heavily considering they're already a decent-sized favorite here at about 6, creeping toward a touchdown? Not that they're going to get there, but I feel like you may get an over-adjustment because they're already getting that pre-flop steam, and if they get that first score, that would be your opportunity to jump in on Cincinnati if you're unsure before the game begins. Sure, yeah. I think you always have to look at uh, live betting opportunities like that. Mike Palm's a guy does a lot of live betting, and that's exactly what you look for, uh, things like that. I, like Mike, I'm, I was stunned last week. The Bills are up 17-0, <laughs> and not only do they blow the lead, they blow the lead before the half <laughs> against Skyler Thompson and the Dolphins in Buffalo. So, yeah, I, I think you definitely have to look for live betting spots like that. We had a guy that bet a $4,000-16 parlay, and it was, it was all minus 110 bets. And, you know, he was he hit the first two on Saturday, and then he had Miami first half. I said, well, this one's dead noir. He comes back and wins that, hits the parlay. I yeah. think it was 4000 paid Jeez. almost 160000 It's a nice ticket. Mike, I think I saw somewhere on Twitter, one of the uh, sports books last week, somebody bet $2.2 million on the Bills to win the game when they were up 17. $2.2 to win $8. <laughs> 
It's these, tw- these tweets that go out every week about the crazy bets are well, made. Who's taking sort of, that in-game stuff? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want to know who's taking a $1.4 million on in-game ju- bet. On the Chargers. Yeah. To win 11000 <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go San Francisco and Dallas next, fellas. Uh, San Francisco opened as high as four in the hook. Now it is down to four across the market. Total open 45 and a half now, up to as high as 46 and a half. Mike, I want to start with you because I know you like betting a lot of these totals toward the under. The market's going toward the over, but my first thought would think that this would be kind of a lower scoring affair. Both top two defenses in terms of total DVOA. Look, Dallas was actually a really great red zone offense at the end of all things. Uh, They were number one, converting at about 73% of their red zone attempts in terms of scoring a touchdown. So their efficiency was incredibly high. I get San Francisco did not look great against Seattle in the first half. They figured things out. There's the power and the advantage of Kyle Shanahan and everything else that belongs with this team. I I could just see it being a little bit of a slower start and kind of a grind all throughout. I I don't know. Am I wrong in thinking that this could be lower scoring? I don't know, Danny. What has the San Francisco (laughs) defense done the last three weeks? They gave up 500 yards and seven yards of play to Stidham. They gave up five and a half yards of play to McSorley and Blau. They gave up five and a half yards and 23 points to Geno Smith in Seattle. If Seattle doesn't fumble (laughs) their first possession of the second half, that's a different game. Because then when San Francisco and the offense that's carrying them with this quarterback from Iowa State made it a 14-point game, Pete Carroll completely abandoned the run game and completely... Abandon our prop of over 15 and a half carries. 14 carries for 58 yards for Kenneth Walker in the first half, and I don't get there on 15 and a half. He did have a 16th carry, but it was negated by a holding penalty in the fourth quarter. 11-yard carry on first down, holding first and 20. He never saw the ball again. Anyhow, I think the offense is what's carrying San Francisco right now, not the defense. And to me, the key to this game is who gets to the front here because Dallas cannot pin their ears back and rush and, and and rush this team because of the creative running game unless they get behind, right? So, and I don't think the Cowboys secondary holds up if they can't get to the quarterback. It's much different here. Uh, Purdy is obviously more agile and mobile than Tom Brady. To, to Matt's point, Tom Brady looked like a statue back oh. there. I mean, and he was falling back and throwing the ball in the ground anytime that he got he got pressure. They're this is a much different animal to contend with. Plus, how about not having a place kicker going into the game? Obviously, he's still got the yips, and that's why they're trying out and signing other kickers. So what's that worth to the line? I think this line is woefully short at four. My one bet this week, straight bet this week, is actually to lay the points with the 49ers. Yeah, and DraftKings still has three and a half on this game, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. A couple spots out there have three and a half. Uh, yeah. I was out here, Mike, Monday night. And I asked Derek Stevens, what do you think the number's going to be when you put this up? Yep. And the Cowboys are blowing them out. And I said, uh, you think it's going to be closer to three and a half or closer to six? And he goes, oh, oh, it's got to be at least six. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with him. I thought the line would come out at least four and a half, five, five and a half. And to see it at three and a half, I think is a bargain here. Like uh, Mike said, I, I did a write-up on this game this morning. I used the same phrase, different animal. Because what the Cowboys face Monday night in Tampa Bay and what they're going to face in San Francisco on Sunday, completely different challenges. San Francisco defense, number one in the NFL in scoring, uh, number one in yards allowed, number two in rush defense. What you saw in Tampa Bay on Monday was a poorly coached team. The play calling offensively stunk. You had an old quarterback behind a a beat-up offensive line. Uh, You had a defense that looked totally undisciplined and unprepared for what the Cowboys ran. Dak Prescott came out in the first two series and went 0 for 3 and looked bad. He was 25 for 30 (laughs) for 305. The rest of the game, four touchdowns, took only one sack. That's his first turnover-free performance in eight games. I like to bet against a team off an A-plus performance, and that's what the Cowboys had uh, Monday night. But they're stepping up in class here, and uh, I'm not going to sit back and wait for Brock Purdy to play a crappy game because it looks like looks like that might not happen. And uh, I, I, I agree with Mike. I think this number's cheap. I haven't bet it yet. I'm debating whether or not I want to lay the three-and-a-half. I don't like laying three-and-a-half ever on a game. Um, I see a money line price out there on minus 190 
It looks attractive. I just can't see the Niners getting beat by the Cowboys uh, in this spot. And I don't think, again, you know, we talked about who's a better running back for the Cowboys. Monday night's game, Tony Pollard had 15 carries for 77 yards. Zeke had 13 carries for 27 yards. Why do the Cowboys continue to try to force feed Zeke Elliott when he is clearly not their best back? You know, Matty, and early in the year I was under the opinion that they still needed Zeke because when you needed to run between the tackles down in the five-yard line. Sure. Pollard can do that now. He They're giving him the ball between the tackles. Right. And Zeke's just not as explosive getting to the outside or getting through the – he's too wide to move his body around to get through the hole. Remember even when he was at his height, he'd hit the hole quick and they'd still run him down, but he'd mm-hmm. get 40 or 50 yards. Yeah, you're right. Pollard's much more explosive. And now and, – and, and I saw this Monday. Now, their, their numbers in the red zone are incredible as far as touchdown percentage. Uh, and a large part of that is now Pollard is running in between the tackles down there, too. Yeah, Zeke was a, uh, a touchdown cherry picker a lot of this yep. year, you know, yeah. for fantasy uh, <laughs> players because he would get the ball down there inside the five. But your point, too, yeah. about the kicker, I think, is something you can't overlook. Cowboys have a kicker who's got the yips. And that's something that also has to factor into your, your handicap here. So, yeah, I'm going to say put me down for a play on the Niners. Uh, I'll. I'm probably going to play this money line price of minus 190. I hate laying three and a half, and then you get beat by a backdoor touchdown. The game lands on three. Um, I mean, that's always a possibility. I've only taken three bad beats in college basketball this week, so it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you just took one on that prop you talked about. <laughs> well, I knew when Britton Hess texted me at halftime how good the bet was looking. Oh, I, would, no. I was no. in he didn't big do trouble. that, did he? I was in big trouble. He jinxed it. He seared it. Yeah. You can't do that. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Matt, let me ask you about one thing with mm-hmm. Brock Purdy really quick. So in the first half, there were clearly a little bit of struggles. Maybe it was something with him having a little bit of just nerves because he's obviously, you know, uh, <laughs> the rookie quarterback in his first playoff game. A lot is on the line. And look, Debo Samuel was back in the mix and they didn't really have that many reps together because Debo's been out for a solid chunk of the year toward the back half. Is that something that you think will persist or is that maybe you just get it out of the way? Cause we did see it adjust in the second half, but of course you're going up against a way better defense. Is that something you think will improve as they go on throughout this postseason? Well, you're right about that. Purdy looked uh, shoddy in the first half. His accuracy wasn't there, but you know, you look at the box score when it's over, he passes for three thirty-two and three touchdowns, no picks, one sack, a pretty clean game. Overall, and especially good in the second half, I think there are going to be some people who expect that, well, this is a different type of pressure, and uh, we might see a pretty crack a little bit in a spot like this. Uh, I don't know if you can count on that. I, I'm actually counting on the Cowboys to regress uh, from what they showed on Monday night against an inferior opponent. And uh, like I said, it's just a step up in class. I think Purdy doesn't have to try to do too much, by the way. Tom Brady... Even at age 45, he's out there trying to do too much for the Buccaneers. He, he attempted 66 passes in that game. That's a career high. And the Bucs can't move the ball unless Brady throws it. He's got no mobility. 49ers offense is totally different. Purdy's got so many playmakers around him, a really good offensive line in front of him. He doesn't have to play the hero. So I don't think he's going to be the reason the Niners lose the game. Could be famous last words, but I don't think that's, uh, that's going to happen. I I think you have to play the Niners here. I'm actually surprised, Mike, that there's been as much Cowboys support this week as there has been. Is it all because they look good Monday night for the first time in over a month? I still think we we tend to underestimate how much a team that hasn't won a playoff road playoff game in 30 years still has support in this country, though. You know, across the different regions, especially in the West out here and, and stuff like that and and in this and obviously in Texas and and in and in the 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 dust belt and all that stuff but there's still you know there were days here the Cowboys were playing where you think that the fans might be split it's always 70 to 90 percent Cowboys wow. fans and so not necessarily that, that translates to the betting volumes but the numbers the number is a head scratcher to me, especially with the Maher's problems. I would think that's worth a point to a point and a half in the line. I'd say it's worth a point. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It could be worth more to yep. the way the game plays yep. out. But you were talking about what what's it worth to the line. By the way, have you uh talked to 
the guys behind the book about what the uh, the splits are, or the biggest bets are on this game? You know, we haven't taken a ton of action yet, but this will be a game. I suspect this will be a game like Dallas and Minnesota earlier where people were violently passionate about one side or the other, right? People are going to really believe in the 49ers. They're really going to believe in the Cowboys. Uh, and I think the the money's really will be split on this game. I think the number mm. settles at four, okay. probably. Um, I don't know if the pros can move the number enough on Saturday, uh, but uh, that's where I think it's that's where I think it sits. We haven't we don't really have any decisions six figure decisions yet on these games, so we haven't seen any early bets into the openers. I've got nothing on this game right now, guys. I'm with you though. Half the lean San Francisco, just overall the better team stepping up in a different class, as you said, Matt. With Dallas going on the road against San Francisco, huge coaching advantage with Shanahan. Purdy, if he's able to get over those issues which he was in that last game, and now he could get back to being normal. Purdy, I think this team is far and away the better side. Don't love the idea of laying four, kind of like you said, Matt, when it's at three in the hook or four, maybe you look for a different way to go about it. Uh, laying minus buck 90 on the money line, I don't hate it, but I may just instill a little bit of patience and also look to attack this one in-game, like I was saying for that Buffalo and Cincinnati matchup. Or if the total even creeps up to 47, because there are plenty of 46 in the hooks, uh, maybe look at the under at that point if it gets just a tad bit too adjusted in that direction. So, uh, yeah, nothing official right now in terms of what we got on Sunday, but fellas, uh, we can get to it. Our best bets. And then I do have uh, a question that we had from our producer, Steven, in terms of a dilemma that he has with some of his futures. So we still have that at the end that I want to pick your guys' brains about, but Mike, let's get to it with you. Your best bets this week. Last week, you went one and one. You had the teaser with San Fran and Tampa, Tom Brady and company screwed you, but San Francisco came through. You had the giants plus three who cashed for you. So you're 33, 22 and one on the season and your official plays for the divisional round. Look like what 49ers minus three and a half and tease the chiefs and Eagles. Got it. Matt, yourself? Right to the point, Mike Palm. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You called it the brain-dead teaser. Yeah. Chiefs and Eagles. Put me down for that, the brain-dead teaser. And uh, like I said, keep an eye out for a in-game play on the Giants if the Eagles get out to a fast start like they have a lot of times this season. And uh, you know what? I'm going to play this uh, Niners game. Put me down for minus 190. I just, uh, I'm never comfortable laying the three and a half, but even though I think that's a cheap number, um, Niners money line, let's go that, let's go that. Instead of buying the uh, the hook, what do you got to pay on that, Mike? 140? Uh, 130. 135. At 130, 130, I think, here. Is it? At three and a half, I think it's 130. Well, you might starts. be right on 135. Uh, so I'll just pay the 190, 49ers to win the game straight up. Right. I like it's, it. It's like and Andy McNeil with the $2 favorites. I'm not like Hopefully you're better than 44%. <laughs> I'm higher than that. Not like Andy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last week, uh, I went 3-0 and on my plays. I had Jack's Chargers over 46 in the hook. Bucks uh-huh. Cowboys first half under 22 in the hook. And then a seven-point teaser with the 49ers and the Bengals. So move on to 65 and 67 this season. I am with you guys on the brain-dead teaser. I got the Chiefs and the Eagles. It's my official play right now. Nothing with those Sunday games like I mentioned, but probably uh, going to be looking for an in-game angle. And if not, if I had anything else, just like Mike and Matt, it will be added to VEASAN's Pro Picks page. So make sure you check that out at VSIN.com slash subscribe so you can get involved with every show host and guest wager on every single sport. All right, guys. So I told you that we did have a question from our producer, Steven. So he wanted me to ask you guys. So he has the Cowboys at 40 to 1. The Bengals at 30 to one from way earlier this season, of course, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, how would you look to play that at this point? And he also made a note that he did bet Josh Allen in the playoffs to have the most passing yards to get a little bit of Bills ex- uh, exposure. How would you maybe attack that, Matt? Uh, let's see if I'll, I'll address the futures question. So you got the Cowboys at 40 and the Bengals at 30. Is that what he's got yep. from early this season? Yeah, you got it. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do with that at this point, unless you want to, what do you think, Mike? Would you parlay the Bills and the Niners on the money line since you got the dog on uh, big futures odds in both of those games? 
if you lose that parlay, at least one of your big, one of your long shots survives. Hmm, that's interesting. Money line parlay, Bills, Niners, since you got the Bengals and the Cowboys at long shots. What about teasing those two teams? I know you're teasing through the zero with the 49ers. Um, what if you did a six and a half point? Well, the Bills aren't six and a half yet, though. So that's that, you lose that a little makes value that on that. Teaser. That makes that difficult yeah. there. How about he looks at a two way market here? Let's look at Circa for yes, no Super Bowl odds. How about that? Uh, so he can lay the no on the Bengals at 17 to one. He has them at 30 to one. Right? Yes, it's tough to do that. Well, what do you mean it's tough to do that? If he wants to lock up money, he can do it. And he can lay the no on the Cowboys at 14 to one. He's got 40 to one. I think that's probably the better option. Lay the no on the Cowboys? Well, the 14 to one, yeah. If, you get, if you're getting 40, lay the 14. I don't disagree with your money line. Money well, line I think I'd probably right? money line parlay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of like that angle. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any other futures you're sweating out at this point that you may be looking to cash out on or hedge at in some capacity or still just waiting? No, I don't. Not really. Uh, actually, props to producer Steven. He's got a couple good bets in his pocket there. I don't have the only – I do have an Eagles Super Bowl uh, futures bet that I made, I think, at 35-1. to 1. I made Ooh, sometime nice. in, like, uh, July. Um uh, I got the Eagles at thirty-five to one. I got the Bills at uh, plus three seventy-five and four to one, and uh, that's it. That's all I've got in terms of futures. I never did bet the Niners. Yeah, I only got the Niners to win the NFC at plus five fifty. I think it was like I said last week, a couple weeks before Jimmy G went out. So still holding steady with that one and hoping they could get to that point to then look to attack it with that virtually plus five fifty money line ticket. So, uh, well, we got a. What wild to go before we even get to that point. San Francisco got to get past Dallas in the first in the first place here on Sunday. Four point favorites again for that last game of the weekend. Gentlemen, I've got nothing left. Anything you want to say before we head out here? Anything to consider props, futures or are you all set to call it? Mike. Um, defer to you. No, I'm I'm standing pat with what I've got here. The brain dead teaser. Uh, you know, I don't remember the last time, Maddie, I bet a Super Bowl future. I just don't do them in the I don't NFL. bet many of them. I don't do them. I bet, you know, I bet the Stanley Cup. I bet the World uh-huh. Series. I bet, you know, college basketball. I think those are fun uh, futures for the tournament. I just don't get into it in the NFL. I just think it's 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 awfully tough to find teams that are, you know, 15, 20 to 1. I agree with shot. you. Mm-hmm. I, I rarely do either. And uh, I got this clip from May. I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to play it on my show about how I was, hy- I was hyping up the Eagles when I before a lot of people were even talking about him. You know, the first guy who said something to me about the Eagles was Frank Schwab. Really? When, you know, Amal and I used to have him on the, that, that show we did, the nuts and then the odds on, whatever they ended up calling it. But he, <laughs> when, when we first previewed the NFL, which was, you know, yeah. April or whatever, after, you know, after the draft, he was really high on the Eagles at that point to win the East and to, to win the Super yeah. Bowl. And that, that was the first. Now, more people came along, obviously, but he's the first guy I heard it. Yeah, they started to, I think, gain a lot of support as the summer went on. But, uh, you know, every time I mentioned the Eagles on every show I was on, I heard, oh, I don't like Jalen Hurts, you know. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is going to hold that team back. I liked Hurts. I've also always felt like Daniel Jones has got a lot of talent. A lot of times you give up on these young quarterbacks too soon. They've got to have the right weapons around them. They've got to have the right coach. Daniel Jones got the right coach now. He really still doesn't have uh, the right weapons around him. Uh, but Jalen Hurts does. The Eagles did a great thing by putting so many playmakers around Jalen Hurts and an elite offensive line in front of him. And, you know, he's he's been the ideal trigger man for that offense. It's turned out much better than I even thought. I had high expectations, but the Eagles have surpassed those. That said, I'm a little bit concerned as they head into the postseason because of his uh, shoulder injury. Maddie, if you're Mark Davis and Sandra Douglas Morgan, are you <laughs> – That's a good one. Are you going after – if you had your choice, all things being equal, would you rather pay Lamar Jackson – if you could get him. Now, Baltimore would have to be compensated. Yeah. Would you rather pay Lamar Jackson for the next five years or would you rather play Tom Brady for one year? I'm paying Brady for one year. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, that's that's an easy decision for me. Even if I think Sandra Douglas Morgan make that same decision, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to mention too. I did make one bad Super Bowl futures bet. I made two: the Eagles before the season and the Colts. How'd the Colts turn out? 
Well, that was Adam Chernoff's pick when was we had the panel. He uh, liked the Colts okay. to win it this year. Yeah, that didn't, didn't turn out so well. Colts, I think, at 25-1. to 1, That didn't turn out, but the Eagles are live. Here's the thing about Lamar Jackson. Are you going to pay him $50 million a year when he's injury-prone? And if he loses a half-step or a step, Mike, he's not going to be the same quarterback because he just can't pass with accuracy. I think that's a high-risk uh, contract. I know the Ravens right now are kind of backed into a corner. They they feel like they don't have a choice, and they got to commit, and they got to pay Jackson. I would rather go with Brady for a year, or, or Daniel Jones at half the price. Yeah, I agree with Daniel Jones at half the price and build the team around him. Yeah, he shows you what coaching can do for a quarterback. I mean, look, this, they didn't they didn't sign him to this fifth year option, and he's got a playoff win playing right. in a divisional round here. Well, and you, and you keep mentioning a playoff win, but you're right. Uh, with Lamar Jackson in his prime, how many playoff wins do they, the Ravens have? They lost at home to San Diego to the Chargers, mm-hmm. and they lost at home to Tennessee. He's zero yeah. two. Yeah, so you're gonna pay him fifty million a year? <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, I think you have to look for other options, cheaper options. You can't eat up fifty million. Look what the Packers—they paid Aaron Rodgers uh, one fifty over three years, and they missed the playoffs. I think the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL this year did not pay off. When you're looking at who's in the playoffs, so uh, Mike, that's a good question. But I'm I'm going to pay a guy like Brady for a year or Daniel Jones for uh, half the price, not Lamar. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Matt Humans, you could follow on Twitter at Matt Humans247 at Mike Palm Circa for Mike Palm for myself at Danny Burke Five. That is going to be a wrap for another edition of Easton's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Thanks to the guys, thanks to the production crew, thanks to you for listening. Best of luck with all your action this weekend, and we'll catch up again next week. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes, Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.